The mother put the porcelain spoon. The mother drew back and poured the little girl back. But the mother did not hear the old voice. The mother. Experience the heartwarming story of a mother's love that knows no bounds, titled The Mother, written by Nobel Prize-winning author Pearl S. Buck. It's a story of love, sacrifice, and the universalism of motherhood that transcends race and borders, told through an account of an unnamed mother living in rural China in the early 20th century. Get the audiobook right now at radio.cgtn.com or any major podcast platform. Simply search for the Books and Beyond podcast and key in the mother. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable, coming to you from Beijing. I'm Lai Ming. Coming up on today's show, local chronicles make up an important part of Chinese cultural heritage. The oldest of such documents date back 2,000 years, and today this rather ancient form of literature and history still provide good value for education and governance purposes. Today on Roundtable, we discover the modern relevance of local chronicles. And death toll from the Maui wildfire continues to rise. This tragedy, although already the deadliest U.S. wildfire in more than a century, joined a slew of reports about extreme weather disasters across the globe. Have we reached a tipping point in climate change? And what can we do to deal with the anxiety from this terrible awakening? Let us know what you think about the issues we discuss on Roundtable by sending your email to ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. Now on Roundtable, I'm joined by Li Yi and Joshua Cottrell in the first topic of the day, uh, something about local chronicles. And this is something that even uh, modern Chinese people are not quite familiar with, although it played a very important role in governance and education in ancient China. And uh, to begin, I think it's important to get the terminology right. Uh, Li Yi, when you said local chronicles, I mean, what do you mean? What does this document consist of? Well, actually, in Chinese, we called it as 地方志, and although we translate it as local chronicles, um, I thought it might not be the very accurate way to translate it. It's more like an encyclopedia, as you said before the show, of a place, and uh, it's really a comprehensive and systematic documentary records that can provide historical and current information about the natural, political, economic, cultural, and social aspects of a specific region. It can be a country, it can be a province, it can be a city, it can be a town. The most important thing is that these records can really provide detailed insights into this local community's development, traditions, and how local people live their life uh, during the past centuries, their customs, and also some notable figures and significant occurrences over time are also included in such records. And according to incomplete data, almost 8,000 kinds in 100,000 volumes of local chronicles have been kept and passed down since the Song and the Yuan Dynasty, which is about 1,000 years ago. That accounts for 10% among all Chinese ancient books. That sounds like an incredible amount of data gathered over the centuries, in fact, about specific places across the country. Josh, you're from the UK. Is there anything similar to what we just described, a mini encyclopedia about a specific region? For instance, is there a, a local chronicle on Wales or Scotland? 
There are, but I'm not sure if there's anything exactly the same. There's certainly a lot of chronicling um, in things like ancient folklore of various parts of the United Kingdom, for example, where I'm from. Um, there's plenty of local histories um, that exist in towns and villages, um, and they appear in mediums such as books and articles. Um, and then there's, of course, stories. And actually, this is quite different because this is more of an oral history, actually, because as we know, stories can change over time and they're, they're told orally. And of course, they're written down um, and passed through generations, but they're also collected in books. And we think that we may have the original copy of uh, the story of King Arthur, for example, or the Loch Ness Monster in Scotland, you may have heard of. Robin Hood, you may have heard of that guy, right? Um, but right. We, we can only be almost sure that we have the original copies. But there are other examples that are slightly more similar, things like the Magna Carta, the Doomsday Book, but they're, as uh, you, I think you know, Lai Ming, they're more sort of about property, ownership, more statistical. So we don't have something exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And, well, I did a little research before the show, and in fact, uh, local gazetteer, I mean, that's the words that uh, Western academia used to describe uh, the local chronicles that we are talking about today here in China. It seems that uh, the reason why they use that word is uh, you do, in fact, have something similar to, to what we have in local gazetteers, and this would date back well, to ancient Greece, and of course, having something similar to that in like 2000 years ago isn't equivalent uh, to what we have right now, because we are looking at uh, data, like I said earlier, data accumulated and gathered over centuries, and this is continuous and this is comprehensive, so that is a scale probably not seen uh, anywhere else uh, in the world. But again, there's got to be ways in which uh, different cultures chronicle or keep records of what's going on, where they are. I think in the UK, you have folklores, epics, and even I think in, in Western world, and you talk about the Iliad and, and Odyssey, and that's the very famous epic from Rome or Greece, so ancient times. And then you have Beowulf, something I, I think uh, definitely will ring a bell with Josh there. And then I think folklore is a very important part of how your people choose to uh, remember things in the past, uh, sometimes even introducing a little fiction in there. But uh, you can tell that they do contain valuable information as to what happened and how our people lived our lives back in the time, right? So my question is, how do you understand the practice of keeping local chronicles across the country here in China? Josh, you as a foreigner, what would be your first impression of this practice, and especially considering something on such a massive scale and throughout such a long time? Well, I think my, my first impression uh, is that it's very important. Um, I think that these kind of documents are important for several reasons. I mean, first of all, on a very practical level, from a legal and governmental level, right, it provides a, a framework to establish legal um, and governmental frameworks in these respective areas and to outline principles and to decide on resource distribution and all of this kind of stuff. Um, so on that level, it's quite important, even if it's it starts from things like stories, but eventually it's just a, basically a documentation, right? A representation of 
um, the country to some degree. So, and and of course, social and cult- socially and culturally, it's also incredibly important. I think that you can to have a glimpse i think we take it for granted these days right with with the internet that we can just go on various search engines and even see the area or put ourselves on a specific road in a specific location and right. have instant access to the histories videos pictures but that just didn't exist and it's very important for social and cultural contexts as well mm-hmm. and the yi you growing up in this culture have you uh, learned anything about these local chronicles growing up and is it part of your education Oh, not really. I think for my hometown city, it does have a long history, and I, I kind of understand bits and bytes of its histories, and I know how the city evolves from like a coastal city and to the port city, and now to a very urbanized city. But I don't really have the memory of being educated about that history, and also its geographical locations and its. People is culture in a systematic way. I don't really think so, but I think in our city we do have a city museum, and I think the official name is really about urban planning museum of Tianjin, which is where I come from. I think in that museum you can really see a lot of records of how this. City has been evolving during the past centuries, and how those geographical locations affect its economic position. I mean, its industries and how people in the past lived their life, and that's.、Um, I mean, there's there are a lot of stories about that in that museum. But I think I wasn't really being told by my teachers or parents to go to that museum to learn about this, you know, cultural history of this city. It's really voluntary. Move for me.、Mm-hmm. So you had a chance to learn about the history of your hometown and a general outlook of it, but you never were exposed to the document per、mm-hmm. se. I mean, this thick、uh, document that could be several thousand pages in volume. So not really. So the same applies to me. I mean, I don't remember being exposed to a, a document like that growing up in primary school or secondary school. So whatever education I had about my hometown, it came from the classroom, and、uh, it was. Something that imparted to us by our teachers, so it was not part of the education. However, in ancient China,、uh, the local chronicles did play a very important part in education and in governance, particularly in the reality of Chinese history. A lot of the bureaucrats、uh, assigned to govern as the main officer of a region、uh, were not originally from. The locality they would be assigned from somewhere else. Their hometown would be far away. I mean that was the the rule of the time. So when they first arrive at a location, they want to know what they're dealing with. They want to know the locality and the region. And the first thing they do is to turn to these chronicles, and there they can find information and data on the geography, weather. And、uh, people, and society, and then cultural heritage, influential people in history. So everything they need to know in this regard to help assist、uh, achieve a better understanding of the region and assist in governance. And that seems to be the reason why this thing seemed to carry、uh, carry sway in ancient China.、Uh, another reason, I think, comparatively speaking, is the the relatively earlier onset of the practice. Of selecting talent through、uh, ex- competition or competitive examinations. I mean, we have had this examination since uh, early uh, Sui Dynasty、uh, and Song Dynasty, so that's about seventh、uh, century AD. So we have been selecting talent, well-learned talent, through examinations since 
more than a thousand years ago, and and、uh, now that we have this educated、uh, hierarchy in the society, they pride themselves in knowing things. And now that they have the capacity to, to read and write and pass on knowledge, they also take it upon themselves to become records of the ancient history. And and as such, we have the capacity and the talent to do that. And then also we were relatively earlier in terms of the invention of print technology, so that really made it much easier for us to create records of that. So, Josh, I think in your own culture, is it fair for me to say that the clergy played a very important part in passing on knowledge and in carrying out research and keeping records? But then, is it fair to say that the clergy would naturally devote more attention into? Serving the God rather than, let's say, being mindful of what's going on in the mundane world. The mundane world, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I like I like the way you put it, but、um, I guess that yeah, that I, I think that's true. And but that's why these documents are so important. They do, and I, I know that there's a difference here. And you quite rightly mentioned the、uh, gazetteer, right?、Um, which I, I understand those more actually as things like.、Um, Topographical things, like、right. so,、um, but it's a it's a word that、uh, really escapes me. But and this is quite different. But if you take a book like、um, the Doomsday Book, right, which,、um, as you say, mundane life, taking into things statistics and、um, things about local peoples、um, and communities that would otherwise not have been previously represented in any written form,、um, as you say. It may, on paper, if you've ever seen one of these books, and I've seen some of these documents in museums because I find it fascinating, but they look pretty boring, right? <laughs> but they actually signify a really important step in history, right? Because having a comprehensive survey like this gives these gives everybody some sort of representation, and it basically signifies a step、um, to the foundation of legal documents. For example, the Magna Carta. That was、um, established in 1215 in England、um, is really one of the most impactful legal documents、um, of all time because it, it was it laid the groundwork for constitutional governance in the United Kingdom and so yeah I, I, it was originally、um, focused on the clergy and before that of course tied into the church、uh, at least in、um, Western Europe especially and、uh, yeah so. Uh, it, it definitely signifies an important change, though.、Mm-hmm. So we are talking about some document that was really influential and really efficient and effective in assisting education and governance in ancient times. And but we are not living in ancient times, and now we live in an age of internet, and there are plenty of ways for us to learn about history and、uh, our own times and、uh, our people and our society and our culture. Do you think there's still relevance in? Continuing keeping records in this format. I mean, there are、uh, efforts being put in place. I mean, there are even government institutions designated to the writing and、uh, management and and、um, uh, researching of local chronicles、uh, across the country. Is it really、uh, relevant nowadays to talk about this since our kids aren't exposed to these documents and there are better ways for new officials to get informed on whatever they need? You know. 
I think definitely yes. Although,、uh, as Josh said, some of these records could be kind of boring and could not really be very friendly for especially young people to read into. I still think it really has its its significance because I think we human beings we always love to learn from mistakes, right? And we always look back to the ancient time. Although this、uh, local chronicles or Defunju in whatever way we call it are not really only about history, but A large amount of stories are about the past life, are about people living from the past, and、uh, among them there are positive and negative stories. I mean, there are some successful experiences and there are failures.、Um, that's the significance. I mean, the difference of these、uh, local chronicles from,、uh, say, novels or nonfiction books, because it's it really. Keeps down those stories in a very candid and true way, an authentic way. So it means that there could be something good and there could be something bad. And maybe for, of course, for politicians, they can really read into these records and and to know about this place and also people.、Mm-hmm. But I think for ordinary people, it's also important to look back to the history, especially of your hometown city, because I always think that to you know to know about your hometown city is the first step to love about it. Right, uh, right. Yes, and also maybe for a country, it it applies in the same way. So when you look at those、uh, local chronicles, when you look at those stories, when you look at those records written down by local people, maybe you can also feel related to those records because maybe some of the, some of those traditions or customs are still passed down and are still applied in our generation. Mm-hmm. The study of local chronicles was pretty prevalent and rather、uh, influential and phenomenal in、uh, Qing Dynasty, which was the last、uh, feudalistic empire in in China before the establishment of the People's Republic of China. And and by studying the local chronicles and really and del delving deep into these documents,、uh, a lot of the scholars were able to come up with、uh, very very important and very effective、uh, insights. About、uh, well Chinese culture and also about the governance、uh, of the country. I mean, there's a lot of、uh, very influential books, like for instance the one about、uh, the benefits and、um, setbacks of different parts of the country. There was a very very influential book that、uh, that really assisted、uh, in governance、uh, and also assisted in people's understanding about the country.、Uh, was in fact、uh, written. Based on a knowledge about local chronicles, so that's really where the wisdom comes from、uh, when it comes to、uh, when we talk about the, the really the value we have when it comes to with、uh, this、uh, long history of China. So that really is influential. But then again, I think for average, for the average people who who are not doing research, who are not new to a new government post heading a, a region. Is it really necessary to delve that much deep into that volume of of data, just so they can get a better understanding of a region? Because if you want to know about history, there's always the general history. I mean, there's always the history books, different versions of history books that you can read. And so,、um, Josh, what would be your opinion on this? Is there anything similar where you come from?、Um, That would assist people to know about their hometown, to to somehow foster a, a deeper relationship and connection with where they are, where they come from, and in turn, hopefully, foster a sense of patriotism about the country where they grow up. Of course, well, general history, especially one that's taught in schools, is usually very patriotic, and I think that that's why. 
it's so important to have these detailed documents because history is never objective when it's taught. And I used to teach history, so um, I have a, a decent understanding of this. And um, the it's very difficult and very boring to, to look at all of these records and to collect this kind of data and to analyze this kind of data. But if we're going to have any sort of thing close to objective history, this is probably the best thing that we have. So I think that, yeah, you can look at the general history in your own country, which is usually not very objective at all in, in any country. Um, but still, I, I mean, if, if you want to go deeper, then uh, looking at this kind of data, it, it may not foster a sense of uh, nationalism or, as you put it, patriotism, but it's still probably one of the most accurate representations or um, probably the best way to get a decent um, look at how life really was at that time. And also, I think, you know, local chronicles is not only about a place, it's not only about the concrete location, it's also about people living on this land. Mm -hmm. And here I would like to offer a very personal perspective because, you know, when I look at my relation between me and my parents, sometimes I can feel disappointed or confused by the way they live and and you find solution from a local chronicle uh, not really i mean i mean then i try to <laughs> i try to dig into this uh this thing and it turns out maybe some of their you know their habits or their way of thinking are shaped by the area they live in and that means maybe their peers are all like living in a in a lifestyle like this. So maybe I'm thinking if there's a book, you know, telling how people in their generation, you know, lived, especially in the past few decades, where, which I don't really have the opportunity to witness. And maybe that could offer some answers for a person like me who are looking for answers, you know. So nowadays, when officials are not seeking advice or seeking information or data through um, reading local chronicles, uh, at least they can do is to let people know what's going on uh, in the past and to try and understand why people live their lives uh, in the way they did yes. and, and perhaps foster a kind of understanding that transcends time. And that's certainly interesting if you are a history buff. And uh, again, uh, we sort of have agreed that these documents are not exactly easy to read. A lot of them were written in ancient Chinese, and you need a level of understanding about the Chinese language in order to be able to fully understand them. So they are not exactly very accessible. Going forward, if we were to keep up with the tradition and uh, uh, continue to prove that we uh, here in China have a long history and we uh, take pride in this, uh, in what ways can we improve the way um, local chronicles were written or organized? I mean, there's, we are talking about a new age of the internet or the new age of digitalization. Are there simply no other ways to keep records of go what's going on in the world or in a specific region? It's a good question. It's a difficult one to answer. I mean, I guess that these days we have much more standardized data collection techniques and methods um, that one thing about a lot of these chronicles are that we can't really know for sure um, how standardized this data collection is, right? I mean, it depends how far you go back. If you go back to some of the really early like gazetteers and stuff like this and topographical dictionaries, um, or as they're often known, it will often be 
it could even be like one man just trekking around, right? Just taking data. Um, so obviously there's a degree of standardization there, but we have things like, um, we have a lot of technology and automation that can help us do this these days. Um, technologies like mobile apps. I mean, the level to which data is tracked these days, I mean, people even have a problem with this, don't they? And we've discussed on this show as well, privacy concerns and um, data privacy and things like this. So I think these days we probably have, uh, dare I say it, more than more than enough technology and uh, too, too many means to collect accurate data. Uh, what do you guys think? I think I'm really hopeful for the future, you know, of compelling this such local chronicles because the world is changing every day, especially nowadays. I think cities are evolving in a very different way from the past. And there are like dozens of stories happening every second on this planet. So there got to be a lot of stories to be recorded. But of course, I think uh, your question just struck me, you know, in a very good way, because I'm thinking what kind of stories could be preserved? And uh, I mean, who is the one to, to make that decision? And who is the one to record that story to make sure that they can really record everything in a candy in an authentic way? That is also a question mark, I guess. Right. And before we move on, one last point to uh, share with regard to Local Chronicles is that uh, to break the stereotype a little bit, I mean, Local Chronicles aren't exactly uh, written always in the set format. I mean, there are different types of uh, uh, local chronicles, for instance, in modern times, now with the explosion of data and digitalization, I mean, it's much easier for us to have a specific chronicle about a specific thing. For instance, there's a picture gazetteer on big pandas, can you believe it? And there's a gazetteer on Wenchuan earthquake in 2008. And I figured there must be one, if it's in China, about the wildfire that's going on in Maui, Hawaii, USA, and uh, something that we can do uh, to keep tap of what's going on with regard to climate change. And this coincides with our second topic. And coming up in the second half of the show, we will talk about weather or climate anxiety and how you deal with it. <laughs> 